Welcome to Sport Faith Life. I'm Chad Carlson. And I'm Brian Bolt. We're two guys from rival schools who came together with one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. We're sports scholars, we're coaches, and we're competitive athletes, or at least we were. And together, we've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. This week on the Sport Faith Life podcast, we are so excited to welcome Bob Dyer and Bob Schindler to talk about their work in sports ministry with Seed Sports, that's C-E-D-E Sports, an organization that is now more than 25 years old. And in those 25 years, Bob and Bob and the rest of the staff have worked with sports chaplains and thousands of local churches in five continents and in more than 100 countries. Bob Dyer is the founder and CEO of Seed Sports, and Bob Schindler is the COO, and both are men of God who love people and know how to use the universal language of sport to point people to Jesus and to engagement with their local churches. Seed Sports can be found at seedsports.org, that's C-E-D-E sports.org, And the Seed Sports app can be found by searching for Seed Sports on the App Store. We had some technical difficulties early in this conversation, so we're going to join a little bit later as both Bobs tell us something unique about themselves before we start our conversation about Seed Sports. There's a lot to get to, so let's get started. Well, great. It's been uh, really interesting to hear both of your stories kind of in brief here. And and, uh, there's a lot of similarities when you think about, you know, both of you mentioned uh, golf and basketball. That'll always win you a lot of points here on the Sport Faith Life podcast. Uh, Good for you. And uh, but but your paths to Jesus or Jesus's path to you were were actually quite different. And so that's that's an interesting combo that maybe we'll come back to. What about one thing that might really make the two Bobs stand out here. Uh, something about you that maybe the, the listeners might not uh, might not know. So why don't we start in re- why don't we go in reverse order here, Bob Schindler? Tell us something about your life. Well, I love to dance, uh, mm-hmm. and I actually thought about pursuing Broadway dancing when I was in high school. Uh, so that's uh, just the thing some most people would never know about me nor think even to this day that that's something that I would have ever considered doing. So Well, I'm that's it. Yeah, I'm not sure we've had a lot of dancers on here, Chad. I, so <laughs> no. uh, so this this is not a video podcast, so we'll uh, we we can't we can't get a demo, but uh, so when you say dance, I so I got a little dance in my background as well. So uh, are we talking social dance? Uh, what, what are we talking here? Like uh, foxtrot, waltz, all those sorts of things? Or is it more uh, modern performance kinds of dances? No, it would be the, the, the traditional dances that I, my wife and I both love to dance now. So we do the traditional stuff when, when we can. Um, but I, I grew up just loving uh, the dancing of that day, which is quite a long time ago. And then I just fell in love with the whole idea of watching my uh, Broadway dancing. I saw my first mm. kind of Broadway show and just was en- enraptured with just that ability to move to music. I've always loved music. 
Uh, and just the tying of those two things was really a fun, a fun exposure. I've never seen anything like that before. So, uh, but never pursued any of that. Just loved to social dance now, Brian. Well, Chad doesn't mean sprinkler. I've seen that. But uh, other than that, I'm not sure how <laughs> strong he is. Uh, <laughs> not very. No. Uh, other Bob, tell us uh, something unique about you. Well, I, I, I guess one of the unique things about me is I coached a guy in high school that a lot of people have heard of named Steph Curry. Hmm. And uh, usually when I tell them that, people are all in awe. They're like, you coached Steph Curry in high school. I said, yeah, I taught him a lot of things. And uh then I finally tell him, yeah, I was his golf coach. And uh, he played golf for us for, for a year uh, at Charlotte Christian School. So uh, that, was, that was a fun thing. He was an amazing, amazing golfer even at that age. And uh, he would come off the course and make 30-footers without even uh, dribbling. He'd just pick up the ball and make it. So he was, he was a good shot back then. You know Steph Curry making thirty footers. I I always picture that on the on the basketball court, but I, I think a thirty foot putt. Uh, you know he's a pretty good he's a pretty good golfer. So you can that's a claim to fame to say I I coached Steph Curry as a golfer. Yeah, oh, yeah. So uh, I wonder, gentlemen, um, you two uh, have some some things in common, and I, and I wonder if we could start there. Can we talk a little bit about? And I don't I don't know who wants to take this first, but. Tell us a little bit about what holds you together in terms of your work. Well, I, I'll tell you a couple of things for me because uh, uh, we we um, we came in touch with each other, got in contact with each other through a mutual friend uh, through a golf tournament called the Masters Tournament. And that was how Bob and I first met. And then when Bob moved over to Charlotte, then uh, uh I eventually asked him to join our ministry and he's, he's, uh, we have a lot in common because we were kind of discipled in the same ways. Uh, we love a lot of the same types of sports. Uh, we have similar family ages and, um, we have really a, a common philosophy of ministry. And I think that's part of it for us is that we've been working together for almost 20 years now. And, uh, uh, I think that's a, a real plus in today's world uh, to uh, be able to, uh, we can almost finish each other's sentences sometimes, which is a little scary for Bob. Uh, but uh, we, we, those are some of the things that I think uh, really stand out for me. Yeah, I think for me, um, the, there were what originally attracted me to seed sports was a love for the local church a heart for evangelism, both of which I had. And they also really were about equipping, developing people. And so those are the, uh, the first two were passions of mine for a long time. The third is something that I love to do. And, and God has affirmed that I do that. Uh, and so over the years, um, that, 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 you know, those values have cemented stronger and stronger our relationship. We're a lot alike, but we're also very different. So we complement each other. I'm an engineer by original education. I tend to be more process oriented. Bob is more holistic, sees the big picture, and I kind of help implement that. So it's uh, we, we balance each other. I think he we trust each other now at this point in our lives. We don't uh, we don't question each other's motivations or, uh, but that's taken time to obviously build that, 
that trust, but it's been a great uh, partnership and relationship for me. And and so I feel honored to be a part of Seed Sports and have a relationship with Bob. You know, the two of you and your staff has really built an empire, and, and you're probably uncomfortable with me saying it like that, but there's a lot going on. And I wonder if you don't mind, before we really get into some of the newer stuff that you're doing, if you don't mind sharing just a little bit about uh, the breadth of the work that Seed does. Well, you know, it, it, I, I appreciate that comment, but that's a little, a little, uh, almost a little scary for me. We, we, we're not trying to build an empire, and we don't really want to um, give anybody that idea. We're really just trying to be faithful to the opportunities God's given us, and we feel like at our our age of life and and our experience level, like we have some unique opportunities right now. There are huge needs. We started this ministry really focused on two things. And that is, how do we help sports chaplains and how do we do sports chaplaincy work? And then uh, how do we work with local churches, use sports as a tool to impact their communities with the gospel? And those are the two things we're still doing. Uh, Twenty Some 26 years after we started, we're still doing the same two things. And uh, God continues to open up great opportunities for us. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had a, a ministry a couple of years ago that kind of merged with us and just said, hey, we really just want to be a part of, of Seed Sports. And so we said, great. Uh, we network and partner with a lot of different organizations, and that's a great joy for us. Uh, we're trying to build one kingdom, not a bunch of different kingdoms. And um, so that's that's really our our privilege is we get to to give away and to partner and to work with lots of people around the world now. And that, that's really a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we won't mess things up too bad. Well, I think um, I appreciate that, that answer and, and a little bit of the history, right? That um, this has been going on for a while and it's continued to evolve and yet it is, has not changed in its central mission. And so I wonder uh, a couple of things that, that have been mentioned. One uh, it, could you articulate a bit more why sport? Um, you know, there's many forms of ministry. And so I'm just wondering mm-hmm. what why sport and and what unique uh, avenues can you take because you've you've decided that that sport is the sort of the material you'll deal with as you go on this mission? Maybe if I could address that, Bob, and you could uh, fill yeah. in what I missed, but I would say it begins with a great commission for us. Um, both of us were raised, discipled by a ministry that really focused on every individual, every follower of Christ to be involved in the great commission. So we all ought to be involved in evangelism, discipleship. And what becomes really clear if you're an equipper and if you really want to help other people do those two, you, particularly the evangelism piece, you need bridges. You need ways to connect with people. And particularly when you're talking about adults. And so if you need a bridge that, in our opinion, the best bridge, not the only bridge, but the best bridge to connect people that's out there today are, are, is sports. And so um, we, we are in sport ministry primarily because we see sport, first of all, as the best bridge out there to connect with people, to expose them then in a relational way in sports to the gospel and over time through redemptive relationships, because that sport context provides that repetitive engagement. 
that's the first reason. I would say the second reason, and um, both of us got involved, um, before I go to the second one, both of us got involved in using sport as that bridge and saw it very effectively used in our communities. In fact, he mentioned the Masters Tournament. That was something we did in Knoxville where I was a pastor and did involve multiple churches and multiple uh, faith-based organizations to try to use the game of golf to connect with adults. Okay. But then also we would say the other thing that sports does is because it reveals character so beautifully, so uh, often unintentionally, it is not only a great bridge, it's a great laboratory. So the other piece of the Great Commission of making disciples, I'm convinced as a tra- as a developer of people that sports provides an incredible environment to bring out and then develop the character of a disciple of Jesus Christ. So that we think of when we say why sports, because it's a great laboratory and it's a great bridge. And so we're in it not because we love sports, although we, we do. We do it because of the Great Commission. One of the things I would add is the guy who really kind of discipled me and got me involved in sports ministry was a guy by the name of Max Helton, who had started a ministry called Motor Racing Outreach. And uh, Max kind of indoctrinated me with the fact that there are two universal languages in our world today that everybody speaks, no matter where you go, sports and music, the two universal languages. And he would say if the Apostle Paul were alive today, he'd either be an athletic musician or a musical athlete. (laughs) He would use those tools to impact people with the gospel. Not because he was a wishy-washy guy. Paul Paul was pretty pretty, uh, uh, thorough on exactly what he was doing and what he was trying to do. But he knew how to use the tools that he needed to impact people's lives. Uh, I think the other thing I would just add is we we really are, are... uh, convinced that sports uh, is the tool to build relationships, mm-hmm. uh, not just to be, do proclamational ministry, which we've seen a lot of that done, but really to do relational ministry. And that's what I've been doing for the last 30 years at Joe Gibbs Racing in Charlotte. Uh, we think that everybody ought to be doing ministry at the same time they're equipping people for ministry. Uh, we think that people shouldn't just be equippers and and telling people what to do. We think people ought to be doing it and then telling people how they've done it. And so that's a little bit of a different emphasis that we have. We uh, we we really want our staff to know how to do the things that we're trying to help churches and sport, sports chaplains accomplish. So I've been so impressed with the way that you guys have been able to carry out all of that, that you're, you're clearly relational focused guys, but you also are, are overseeing, you know, this work and, and helping others. Uh, you know, you're, you're doing the, the ministry work, you're doing the, the pastor work alongside of, you know, leading this organization and, and its systems. Um, so I'm wondering how this new, this new app that you have, this new app for, for sports ministry leaders, how that fits into all of this. Um, it certainly offers, you know, ways to connect and network. And there's some personalization there, of course, uh, based on the, the niche within ministry that, that one finds oneself. Um, but it's also another part of the system and, and the ways of, of networking mm-hmm. and, and connecting people. Can you talk a little bit about the app and, and, and why you think this is a, a really important thing moving forward? Yeah, let me let, let me give you a little bit of the history. Uh, let me ask by um, start by asking you guys this question. How many sports chaplains are there in the world? Chad, what's your answer? 
boy, I would be embarrassed to even throw out a number. I'll let, uh, Brian, what do you, what do you think? Oh yeah. Wait, throw me under the bus. I'm going to say yeah, there exactly are, what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I'm going to say there are 150,000. Okay. Well, let me tell you this. Nobody knows. Oh, and that was the problem we were trying to solve. Well, whoa, whoa, nobody... whoa, whoa. you don't get credit for saying I don't know and having that. Be I gave the right answer. That's I not gave right. The right. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Chad was Chad That's was un... the right. He gave the right answer. Oh, <laughs> he's by far the smartest guy oh. I can tell. Well, clearly, this is this is a this is a Hope College grading scale. Clearly, I All love right. it. I love it. But, oh, oh, it's getting personal now. Oh, yeah, it's getting real personal. But we. We we found out that nobody really had any idea how many sports chaplains or people who function like sports chaplains. Maybe they don't use that title, but but we we held a global summit here of about fifteen organizations around the world that were doing sports chaplaincy, and nobody really had an idea. Most organizations didn't even know how many sports chaplains were in their organization, much less the whole world. And so uh, I began to think, gosh. Uh, I, I was a computer science grad with an MBA, and I was like, we, we ought to know that. If we're trying to impact the world of the gospel through sports chaplaincy, we ought to know how many there are and where they are, and they ought to be able to talk to each other. Everybody had their own little systems of communication. And I was like, gosh, we need to build that. So I started building it. I actually started coding it, okay, building it myself. Well, that didn't go too well, okay? <laughs> I'm kind of out of date with that kind of stuff. But eventually we found somebody who created an app for us very quickly uh, and very economically, and we started implementing it. And we're beginning to figure out that, of how many chaplains there are around the world and just starting to connect them in a, a secure, not a Facebook, uh, not, not on other tools that you don't own your data, but on a tool that we own the data, we, people have access to each other. It's secure, a private environment. And so we began to do that for sports chaplains. And then we began to realize, you know what? We need the same thing for churches. And so we began to implement the same concept for our sports rec and fitness app. And so we have a sports chaplains community and we have a sports rec and fitness community. Those are the two things that we focus on as a ministry. So we created an app for each one of them. And they are free for anybody in the world to get on them. But we want chaplains to get on the chaplain app and sports rec, sports rec and fitness ministers to get on the, the SRNF uh, community app. And it's been a, just an amazing tool to see how people can connect with one another. They, they hadn't known that it was there. And uh, we're just thrilled by how God's using that and how it's growing. So uh, that's a, a little bit of kind of how we got to where we are. Bob, tell me a little bit um, as you think about this app and its um, connection to the original mission. So I, I think that there's, uh, I can see some, some potential connections, that, certainly answering the question, who's out there? Uh, but where do, mm -hmm. where do you see this going? Um, as, as you start uh, getting more people buying into it and understanding mm -hmm. it, buying is probably the wrong word, it's probably a free app, right? Uh, it is free, yep. doesn't cost a thing. Right, and so as people... Uh, go here. What, what do you see as the versatility that it allows you as ministers uh, in this in this sphere? Well, one of the things that was interesting for me, Brian, I, I, that's a great question, uh, was that um, we, we began to see when people would tell us what organization they were a part of, 
we began to see that probably 20 to 25% of the people who were responding on our app were what we call independent sports chaplains. Hmm. They were not part of any organization. And they felt completely alone, isolated. And I'm going, oh, man, we, we probably underestimated that. We didn't really realize that was such a big issue. And then, of course, we hit the pandemic about this time. So, you know, we really implemented this app during the pandemic, which was probably a good time to do it. Um, uh, providentially, God just kind of led us in this direction at, at this time. Uh, but, but we're finding that it's a great tool for that. It's a great tool for sharing resources. We do a lot more of that really on the, the SRNF app. Uh, where we have a lot more resources to share. There's a lot more information that people need. Uh, but but your, the same problem occurs for sports chaplains that are, occurs for sports rec and fitness ministers in churches. They feel kind of isolated and alone because you're doing a different type of ministry than many of the other pastors on that church staff. So um, it, it has really been amazing how God has just kind of directed us and how we see more and more opportunities opening up for groups to be able to communicate internally in a private, secure environment, for them to connect with one another, for them to connect with other organizations, for them to connect with other people, for them to find other sports chaplains who are in their same city. By looking at our map, there's a, there's a, a sports chaplain's map, and so you can pull that up. And you can see where everybody is and you can look at their names and see where they're located and who they are and what organization they're a part of. And you can then message them right on our app. So uh, there's just some amazing things that we're we're seeing and we're just very uh, um, humbled by it and um, excited about it also. Yeah, if you were to, if you were to go back, uh, Brian, if I could add just that, if you were to say our mission is to impact the people of sport through churches and chaplaincy. And our vision on that has always been threefold. It's been that we want to do the same thing that every athlete needs. They need resource, they need equipment, they need supportive teammates, and they need a coach. And so we try to provide those three things for the, the chaplains and the church sports leaders, uh, SRNF leaders. So we try to provide them equipment in the form of resources. We try to provide them connectivity with other people in those ministries, and then we coach. Well, that the the apps really grew out of that second aspect of our vision. We wanted to help them connect because they're isolated. They need each other. We all need each other. That's the way the body of Christ was built, right? So, but they tended to be disconnected, as Bob already said, from their church as well as other people that were in uh, the sports ministry. So, this is a way to help them provide support, encouragement, inspiration, and connection. Uh, with other people that they can then build relationships with. And then we, our, our whole, the purpose of the app really is to start conversations that, that build community. And that's what we're really hoping that these, these two arenas become more and more communal because they're in doing the same things. They don't know each other, but they have the same problems. They can really support each other. And it's been fun to watch that happen. A ministry has been historically a rather isolating profession, and yeah. it's just been the last generation or so that we've really been able to build mechanisms that will help ministry leaders be able to to live into um, or, or to avoid burnout. I, I would say, and so I I, I see that and that's clearly part, part of what you're doing here. Um, yeah. So as you as you look at what the app has done so far, even in the midst of this really extraordinary time during during COVID. 
What is it that you envision in the future for, for this app? How will it continue to be able to grow in its efforts to help in these in this, these threefold ways? Well, I, th- I think one of the ways it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow is uh, by people really connecting with one another into smaller groups and coaching groups and uh, learning groups that really allow people to to share specific situations that are occurring with one another and to, and to be able to share that with a small group in privacy so that so that they can really say hey here's what I ran into the other day and here's what I'm trying to deal with and you know uh, what do you, what do you guys think what are some ways that I could deal with that uh, so I, I think that you know everything always happens from the ground up in the church and it's it's all about you know uh, Jesus started with 12. And, and I, I, I tend to think that the smaller we can get things, the better off we are. We've tended to think that the larger things are, the more effective they are. And I don't think that's really true. I think that God tends to use small groups to impact large groups of people. And uh, I think that's what God is doing through, uh, through these apps is he's using it as a tool to help people connect with one another, learn from one another, challenge one another, spur one another on to love and good deeds. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just the biblical model for us. Well, when you talk about small groups, we think really quickly about sports, right? We think about uh, those sort of collections all held together for mm-hmm. one particular reason. And uh, you might have another reason for drawing your groups together, but like that's the first affiliation in this case. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, when I, my head hits the pillow at night, I, I ask myself this big question, does God care who wins? And nobody ever addresses that question. And then you, know, you find out that a guy named Bob Schindler wrote a book titled, Does God Care Who Wins? So uh, help me sleep at night, Bob. Does Bob, does God care who wins? Well, I, I can't uh, give the answer without telling you a little bit about my journey to the answer. And I probably and, have to buy the book, right? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to. I'm glad to <laughs> we'll send you a book. We'll send you a book. Uh, I appreciate but it. My, my journey to the, to the question was, as a new believer, I started playing professional golf. And I was really, in those days, trying to integrate my golf into Christianity. I really thought that all that I was to do, I was to do to the glory of God. And I began to look for materials out there that would even help me with that. And this is in the early 80s. And it was very hard to find anything. So I, I there was uh, it just hard to find things written about it, but particularly about golf. Like, you have all this time in between shots. And so most everybody would talk about the time in between the shots rather than how do you actually play? Well, then I, I actually went to my first tour school. And uh, for those of you that don't know anything about the PGA Tour, uh, they had nothing to do with academics. It had to do with playing in a tournament basically to qualify to play on the tour. And in the regional uh, finals of that, I lost in a playoff. And I went back uh, and asked my wife, when I called her from the clubhouse, did God care who won today? Because I'd put two years of work into that. I'd actually shot the, the low round of the day, the last round to make it into a playoff. And three years later, it wouldn't even have been a playoff because the PGA voided any playoffs. So, but that moment in time, did God care? And I spent the next 30 years really wrestling with that question, read everything I could on it, um, wrote about it some, prayed about it, studied, and finally came to writing the book of why I don't like the no answer, why I don't like the yes answer, and what I think is the best answer. And the best answer is yes, that God cares who wins, but for very different reasons than we do. 
I love that nuanced answer. And I love that this comes from such a personal experience that you've had. And I think that's really one of the captivating things about this book. And by the way, I, I think I had about a dozen copies and I'm down to one because I've just I've given them out to students. And it's a really accessible read, which is which is a fun thing for them. But it's also fun to see that it's a nuanced answer. And, and that's really what we're trying to do at Sport Faith Life, right, is to get people to think deeply about some of these things that we oftentimes have impulsive or mm-hmm. you know, gut level responses to. And it's a yes or a no. It's a bifurcated answer. So uh, but this is really more nuanced, and that's a really cool thing about that. And I and I wonder if you can talk a little bit about you know the thirty years from that experience at Q School to to when you you published the book, were you were you roller coastering back and forth, or is this just something that sort of over time became much more clear to you? I mean, I, when I say roller coaster, I mean were you were you fluctuating from yes to no, and you know moments where you really thought one thing was 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 more true than the other, and then sort of came to this more middle ground, or is this just something that over time and maturity, I suppose, and, and, and reading uh, eventually came to fruition for you? Well, I think it's, a, uh, again, a, what a great question. And Chad, I early on in my Christianity, when I started playing professional golf, I, I, I became very clear to me that the game of golf is a fickle game. A puff of wind here, a little uh, gra- blade of grass there, and your whole round can be completely changed. And so I did a study back then, a word study or a thought study on the sovereignty of God and, and spent a long period of time studying that and came to some really strong convictions about that as it related to life and, and God and what the Bible has to say about that. And that then integrated into my, into my, um, uh, my view of, of golf. So I think that the I think I believe God care, but I didn't understand why He didn't let me win that day. And so, really, for the next three years, I suffered under the idea of why well, I don't like the yes answer because the answer is yes, He cares, but He rewards the winners with winning, and He and He punishes the losers with losing. And I thought I'd done something wrong that day. So I must have done something wrong that led me up to the point that God wouldn't reward me with winning. Uh, and that, that struck a strong chord in me that took, okay, God, that there's something that can't be right about that. What it, and finally coming to the place that no, that had nothing to do with my, what I had done. God wasn't doing either of those, but I find lots of Christian athletes that feel that same way that, in fact, I've been told stories that Christian coaches would say, if you do your Bible study and pray this week and don't sleep with your girlfriend, we're going to win the game on Saturday. And then what would happen when they lost the game? They'd start looking for the Aiken in the camp, right? Who who messed up? Who didn't pray? Who didn't uh, read their Bible? Who slept with their girlfriend? And so, but that's a very predominant thought among Christian athletes. Uh, but just as strong is this idea of, no, he doesn't care. And what that troubled me because that has a both of these have a view of God. It really gets down to how you view God. So really, Chad, to be honest with you, after those first couple of years, I was pretty clear on what I thought, but I needed to understand more why people thought what they thought. Why and so I began asking the question. And then I'd say, well, tell me why you think no, but God doesn't care or why you think he does. And that's really then the the understanding of what the book came of. OK, well, if you think that, then how do you deal with this? If you think God doesn't care, for instance, what else doesn't he care about? 
And then even they'll say, well, he cares how you play. Well, does he care about the results? No. Then I say, I've got a problem because if you don't, if he doesn't care about the results, I care about the results. I worked two years for that tour school. So now I'm in tension with God to try to get him to care about something I don't care. I care about that. He doesn't care about, or that means he really doesn't care about the impact of the results of that win or loss. Because I tell people all the time, if I make tour school that day, I'm probably not on this phone call. You know, that doesn't mean I wouldn't, doesn't mean I wouldn't be involved in ministry, but it would have changed the tra- trajectory of my life significantly. So results do matter. So if you think he doesn't care about the results, that has all kinds of implications as well. So I'm sorry, Brian, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that's great. I mean, this is this is music to my ears. I love, uh, first of all, not a lot of people, you, I think you did a great job of articulating the the polls here. And, and one of them being uh, God does care uh, and manipulated the moment uh, and it's prosperity gospel, right? Um, and then the other one being God doesn't care that um, he has bigger fish to fry and this that you know sport is such a small player right and you infinitesimally small one right one one uh infinitesimally insignificant i asked a leader of a sports ministry does god care so infant infinitesimally insignificant no of course he doesn't and as you were yeah as you were right go ahead i'm sorry no that's as as you were kind of laying out your search into god's sovereignty uh obviously you start getting also into what it, what does it mean to be human, uh, and that is a that is another question that helps us answer these bigger picture questions about sport. Uh, but the the thing I find is most people don't want to even think about that. So that's a that's a whole nother piece, right? That's a whole nother level. And uh, but it's kind of fun. It's been great to hear you talk about that. And I know you and I here have just scratched the surface. And we've also just uh, scratched the surface on seed sports and, and their impact. But it's been great. It's been a, a real opportunity for us to engage here at Sport Faith Life with with the work that you do as well. So uh, in our limited time, I just wanted to thank both of you guys for taking a few minutes to come on and, and explain to us your work uh, and in such animating and captivating sorts of ways. And so we really appreciate what you're doing. Appreciate you coming on. And uh, uh, we're really excited about where it's going uh, in the next few years. Thank you, Thank Brian. You. And Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be with you today. Thanks for listening to the Sport Faith Life podcast. Find previous episodes at sportfaithlife.com and on Apple Podcasts. We're releasing each episode with a blog post authored by our guests. So you can find the blog for this podcast and other posts at the same website, sportfaithlife.com.